0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to dip our toe into the economics of America today. Yes, absolutely. With talk of inflation, all the debt spending we're doing, uh, all of the paper printing of money we're doing to prop up the economy, uh, the currency wars with China. I've I, you know, i fallen in love with these guys at um, Birch Gold Group. They... Uh, I didn't know of all the options that we have for saving in retirement, but once I learned about them, I wanted to share them with you. They're sponsors, they're advertisers of our show, but I asked them today to come on, not, not as an advertiser or sponsor to pitch their product, but to uh, help understand how they look at the current economy. They have specialists who are looking out. They know when the warning signs are there, when gold and silver makes sense, what other metals might make sense. If the market were to turn down, or if inflation were to suddenly spike, or we to have another market correction, which a lot of people are talking about, so I asked them to come on and sort of be our economic prognosticators today. They're going to bring on one of their best precious metal specialists, uh, Philip Patrick, really great guy, really understands the uh, um, um, economics of of the marketplace, what to be looking for, the warning signs. Uh, this isn't a pitch for the product; it's just to understand where we are in this uh, marketplace and why gold and silver become attractive when there is economic uncertainty on the horizon. Um, but we, we've got some great uh, relations there, but they have a product, a kit that you can uh, get. I've mentioned it on the show several times. You go to birchgold.com slash just news. And they have got a 20 page kit that te- teaches you. And I didn't know you could do this. I really didn't. If you've got an IRA or 401k that's eligible, you can roll it over into a gold um, silver-backed retirement fund. What a great idea, uh, particularly when the market feels a little unstable. uh, You can roll over some or all. You can move into a protective posture. I learned about it and uh, it was fascinating to me. And they've created a special site for us at um, birchgold.com. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash just news. That's how you get the kit. I downloaded it. I learned a lot. Wow. It changed my thinking on Retirement investment strategy a lot, and it probably well for you too when you read up. But today we're bringing Philip Patrick on not to pitch the product, but to just talk the economy. These guys have enormous economic expertise. They know why precious metals are uh, attractive and when they become more attractive. And I just want to walk people through uh, this process. We, you know, we've had Steve Moore on here lately. We're going to try to get some more economic people because everybody has to worry about our pocketbook, short-term, long-term retirement. I'm getting closer to retirement. I want to keep building my uh, nest egg so that my family and I can retire with comfort and ease, uh, and I think you do too. And uh, and so we're going to pick some guests over the next few weeks to have uh, at it, to have a discussion, and to learn from it and be excited about it. And uh, Philip Patrick is number one up from our good friends at Birch Gold Group. We're going to talk all things economy in a few minutes. Then... We're going to bring in my good friend, my co-author of the book Fallout, Seamus Bruner is going to join us. He and I teamed up again last night to break another article on the Hunter Biden scandal. Uh, if you remember, I had one about a week ago that revealed Hunter Biden entertained and worked with um, the team, the legal team for the indicted oligarch, Dmitry Furtash. What's interesting about that is that Dmitry Furtash, a Ukrainian oligarch, was indicted by Hunter Biden's father's administration. The Obama-Biden team indicted him in 2014 for alleged bribery. He was one of the primary focal points of the uh, fight against corruption in Ukraine. And you know what? Unbelievably, Hunter Biden entertained the idea of trying to help uh, Mr. Firtash get off on these criminal charges. It didn't work, but then they pivoted. Uh, Hunter Biden was in business with a guy named Devin Archer, now a convicted felon. he's uh, And uh, when they couldn't help on this front, they talked to Dimitri Furtash's right-hand man, a guy named Harris Yosef, and they talked him into investing in a, in a product called Embloom. Embloom, M-B-L-O-O-M. It was a Hawaii-based technology fund. It got some tax dollars from the state of Hawaii. It ultimately went belly up, but not until after Harris Yosef, right, one of the right-hand men for Dmitri Fertes, gave his $3 million, lost it in the investment, or most of it. I think he said he was able to recover 275000 $275, of $3 million, but a big loss for his investment. Uh, well, we were following the money, and what Seamus Burner and I discovered was that there was a connectivity, um, a continuation, and you, when you follow the money, here's how it goes. Uh, Haris Yosef comes in, meets with Hunter Biden in America. He gets handed over to Devin Archer. Devin Archer gets him to invest $3 million in Bloom eventually, which fails in Hawaii Bloom then transfers a lot of that money to another LLC called Bloom something LLC, MDC LLC. I believe it is. And then $275,000 of that money gets transferred to a, an account called Rosemont Seneca Bohai. I know my listeners know that account. Why? That's the place where Hunter Biden was also getting his Burisma money. So it was the Ukraine Palooza. It's where Devin Archer and Hunter Biden routed a lot of the money they were making in Ukraine. And uh, 275,000 comes in from Emblem around the time that Mr. Horace Yosef, the right-hand man of of Dmitry Furtas transfers this money. And then there's a check cut out of the fund for, you got it, Hunter Biden. So, Three or four hops, two different business deals, money moving from overseas to America through multiple accounts, and then some of it always ends up in the back pocket of Hunter Biden. That's how the business dealings of Hunter Biden went. And he's writing a book saying that none of this criticism of him is fair. He was a straight-up businessman, but take a look at who he was in business with. Devin Archer, convicted felon. Patrick Ho, convicted felon. Um, Guys named like Galanis, some of his business partners, convicted as felons. And then you've got... Dmitry Furtash seeking his help. He's an indicted fugitive felon in Ukraine. And and if Hunter Biden reaches out to him, automatically he's undercutting Ukrainian anti-corruption efforts of his father. Remarkable revelation last week. Now we know money changes hands and it goes through different accounts. And Hunter Biden uh, benefits from the final destination account where some of this money went into. It's a process we've seen time and again, including this time so we're going to talk to Seamus Bruner about that. Uh, but first, we're going to go to our good friends at Birch Gold, Philip Patrick, uh, uh, Precious Metal Specialist at Birch Gold. We're going to do a quick flyover, drone flyover of the U.S. economy right after this commercial break. Temp Check.
1: time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, I have a very special guest. I've been talking about these guys a lot because we're in this remarkable time in the economy where people are talking about in a bubble in the investment market, uh, about declining dollar, possibly the potential of uh, inflation, uh, debt and more debt, more spending, Uh, and uh, my good friends at Birch Gold have been really offering different alternatives, things I didn't know about until I learned about it uh, for people, particularly like myself, who are worried about their retirement. And so I asked as a favor if one of their true specialists could come on, and we're lucky enough to have Philip Patrick. He's a pressure metal specialist at Birch Gold Group. Uh, Patrick, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having
0: me. That's a real honor. I've been a, a big fan. The more I've learned about Birch Gold and uh, uh, as I try to contemplate my own uh, investment strategy, some of the things that I didn't know existed in the law are out there and um, it's really been exciting to me so I wanna, well, let me start off with the market a lot of people are talking about there may be a bubble uh, there's problems you know worries about inflation price hikes maybe tax increases there's a lot of talking about that in Washington uh, what uh, why might someone who has been saving for retirement for a long time pull out of the normal market at this moment and look for something like gold and silver what how did one why would they do it and two, how would they do it?
2: Right. Very good questions. Um, look, you know, for the first part of the question, I would say it depends on the climate uh, and what's going to be most conducive for that climate. And you mentioned a few things in in, in the lead up: right? bubbles, price hikes, tax increases. These all negative things for the economy. Right. And what I would say is that there are times where it makes sense to be sitting heavily in market, the stock market. And there are other times where it makes sense to be considering state-haven assets like gold and silver. So I think to have an understanding of whether the climate is conducive to state-havens, it's of course important to have an understanding of what's happening in the broader market, the stock market. And there's a couple of things to notice there. Um, First, we're now two and a half years into the longest bull run in recorded history. So we're in a position now where we can look back at the entire history of the stock market and say at no point have we ever run for this length of time without a correction. So timing alone has been suggesting we likely have a stock market correction on the horizon. Now, a much bigger concern than just timing, I think it's been the nature of the last bull run in stock. It's been the most aggressive in history. But when you look at the nature, it becomes a little bit concerning. And what I mean by that is this, all the stock market is is a collection of companies. If this was a solid or sustainable bull run in equities, what we should have seen is the companies that comprise the stock market, we should have seen that over the last 12 years, their earnings were increasing dramatically, which was driving the market up. Now, had that happened, my concerns would be more limited today it hasn 't really right stock prices have been moving up aggressively earnings you know, proportionally speaking haven 't been increasing at the same level In large part driven by fiscal policy like pumping money through the markets right there's a metric that we look at uh, called the price to earning ratio john uh, today it 's running at over thirty. Wow. The only times in history, yes, uh, it, it's incredibly high, second highest in history. Um, the only times it ever went above twenty-seven, we had the Great Depression, the dot-com bubble burst, the 08 crash, and today. In tough times like that, gold and silver can really. So it just depends on your outlook.
0: Yeah, no, it's really fascinating. You know, I, a lot of people didn't realize that uh, uh, many years ago, uh, the. Uh, law change and it allowed s- certain IRAs and 401ks to take an advantage and, and create a gold-backed or silver-backed investment. So t- tell me a little bit about how that works, the 401k IRA. Uh, they, this is a real opportunity for people that and I, I don't think, I didn't know until I met you guys that that uh, there was that such a, uh, an investment opportunity. How did that come along and how do people access that? How do they get involved in that?
2: I mean, look, you're right, not a lot of people know about It, it is clearly defined under, under U.S. tax code. So essentially it just functions as, as a rollover. You know, individuals have the opportunity to roll over any portion uh, of an IRA or a qualifying 401K. You can roll it over into a precious metals IRA, and we have the ability to place physical, tangible precious metals act deferred within a retirement. What we specialize in, we can certainly help your listeners and guide you through that
0: process. Yeah, it's really remarkable. I, I went and got the kit, and I'm fascinated by it. And I've learned a lot about it. And you know, I I worry as I'm in my mid fifties now that you know I got to protect this retirement. I can't just you know i have i been growing it now. I got to protect it as well. And and uh, this was really great timing for me to learn about what what Birch Gold does and what what other people have the opportunity to. A lot of times people ask beyond Gold and silver, which are the obvious commodities that we all are familiar with. Are there any other metals out there that people are interested or they find hot or cool or, uh, uh, that are growing in the investment market? Maybe not necessarily in the retirement market, but any other metals besides gold and silver that we should keep an eye on?
2: There are. Um, we specialize not only in gold and silver, but platinum and palladium as well. Um, both very interesting. Um, they've been on a run. In, in, in recent years, certainly over the last couple of years, on the back of heavily rising demand. But it sort of boils down to the point I made earlier, right? In, in the sense that it depends on your economic outlook and your outlook in general. Right? Gold and silver, I would say, are classed as safe haven assets in a way that platinum and palladium are not. They're true industrial Um What that means is in times of correction, like platinum and palladium can struggle. Like 2008 was a great example. When we saw the stock market crash, obviously the car industry was affected dramatically. Platinum and palladium, palladium were used in catalytic converters and their pricing dropped in half no in about eight or nine months following the market crash. Yeah, so you know, in times of boom, they work. In times of correction, gold and silver work. So it depends on your outlook and where you think things are headed. But there are options.
0: That's really fascinating. And um, the more I've dug into this, the more I've really learned a lot. And it's it's a, it's a whole new investment world. I've been familiar with stocks for years, but uh, precious metals really add an interesting dynamic to the investment strategy, to your retirement strategy. And I think as we, we take a look at this uh, uncertain economic time where, as you said, all the indicators and in history are on the side of a significant market correction. It's really uh, really good to give people an understanding of these other options that they might not have had on their on their plate. Um, I, I, if I don't mind for a second. I'd like to broaden the, uh, and take you to a larger look at the economy. So uh, the the Fed's recent call to leave interest rates low is is got a lot of attention. I you know think most people think the Fed's going to stay in this low interest uh, posit posture maybe until twenty twenty three. Uh, what is the rationale for that, and what could it mean for the economy, for an investor, for a retirement fund? What, what is the significance of the Fed's posture on, on interest rates right now?
2: It's a good question. And uh, obviously, we, we have the statement coming out of, out of the Fed. Look, it rings true to me for, for a couple of different reasons. I think in large part, the Fed has to keep interest rates low. First reason, obviously, is, is to stimulate the economy, right? Low interest rates encourage people to take money out of savings. And invest that money, right? Typically in stock market, bond market. So low interest rates encourage people to invest, and in large part, function to keep the markets going, to keep them propped up, which in this climate is of course very important to them. Uh, the second part of it, I think, is is incredibly important as well, and it boils down to debt, right? We talk about money printing, we talk about policy. Sure. Ultimately, what this does is it fuels debt, right? And today. U.S. national debt is approaching $30 trillion. Now, the debt is manageable because interest rates are so low. Now, the average rate of interest on our federal debt over the last 30 years has been closer to 5%. If interest rates were to get back to that level, obviously, the interest payments on national debt will start to become untenable in relation to tax revenue. So I think it certainly rings true. I think in large part, the Fed, like I said, has to keep interest rates low. Um, yeah, so that part certainly rings true. In terms of the effect that has on individuals, But the key is to beat inflation. right? As things are getting more expensive, we they need to are. make sure that our money is keeping right? And uh, sitting in cash today, that becomes problematic. And I think that's where assets like gold and silver stocks traditionally have done very well to keep pace and beat inflation. But if you're of the mind that we have a stock market correction in the short to medium term, it may not be the right vehicle. And that's where I think assets like gold and silver come in. As inflation rises, they move to keep pace with it. And as we, as we said, they're very, very conducive
0: for this fun Yeah, that's really the key. Is there any signs as we wrap up here? I, uh, and I, I love this overview. I would like to do this more often because I, I think people are really fascinated by the economy and, and learning about options to protect ourselves. Uh, are there any signs that you look for over the next uh, six months to a year for the market changing? If you're someone that's worried, but you don't want to pull out yet, what are some of the things that... Uh, a smart uh, retirement person, a smart you know economic outlook person is going to be looking for in the economy as a warning sign?
2: Look, I think we're seeing them all, all over the place. We've mentioned debt, we've mentioned stimulus. There are a lot of warning signs. Um, I will say this market is very, very difficult to predict because, of course, politics plays a large part. It sure right? it does. Government can. But, you' know, just come out. You know, another big round of stimulus, pump money through the markets and, and keep it moving. So it's difficult to predict because we don't know exactly what's coming out of the White House and the Federal Reserve. What I would say in general terms is this: I, I think the key always is, is to try and be as preemptive as possible. I right? I don't think the solution is ever to take all you know eggs and stick them in one basket, but perhaps to structure a hedge. And as much as possible to try and do that preemptively so that when things turn, we're positioned and we're ready for that change.
0: That's great advice. Preemption is always the best uh, strategy when it comes to financial investment and dark clouds on the horizon, which I know so many people see. Uh, Philip, how do uh, people get in touch uh, with uh, Birch Gold? What's the best way to stay in touch with people if you want to learn about investment opportunities uh, or these 401k rollover opportunities? What's the best way to to stay in touch with your your fine folks there?
2: For your listeners, they can literally just go online. Uh, Our web address is www.birchgold.com, and we have a special page for your listeners, www.birchgold.com. Forward slash just news. They can request one of our information kits. We'll speak directly to one of our specialists. We can help guide them through step by
0: step. Yeah, it's a fantastic kit. I, I downloaded it and it uh, it's a it's a real winner. It's very easy to understand and you you come out of reading it and you realize I'm a lot smarter now. I didn't know I had these options. And so we're grateful. We're grateful for your sponsorship here. Also just for your great advice. Uh, Philip, and let's get you back on the show. I'm sure people are going to be watching this economy closely, so I'd love to have you back on sometime soon.
2: I'd love to be back, and thank you again for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. This is great. Great. Learned a lot. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Seamus Bruner, my co-author on the book and co-author on an article we have up today on Hunter Biden, up next, right after these commercial breaks.
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very good friend, an amazing journalist, Mike, co-author on the book Fallout. And last night, I got lucky enough to team with him again on an article about Hunter Biden, a new follow the money article about Hunter Biden. Imagine that more foreign money more wealth for Hunter Biden. And I couldn't have done it without my good friend and the great reporter, Seamus Bruner. Seamus, welcome back to the show.
1: Great to be with you, John. Thank you.
0: It's, uh, it's a really great timed article that we were able to collaborate on last night because Hunter Biden's book comes out today and he's on this tour. And uh, one of his messages in the book seems to be, none of my business deals were really that bad. I don't know what everyone's upset about it. it was, the only mistake I made was giving Donald Trump uh, an opportunity to attack my family. That's about the only remorse and apology he seems to show. I'm curious, as you've watched these early interviews and seen the reaction to the book, any, any early impressions on, on the Hunter Biden book tour?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he he shows uh, next to no remorse. Um, he, he kind of plays it. He like He's playing the victim card here, which is really just absurd. He really seems to want to make it all about, you know, the book seems to be, about his substance abuse issues sure. and, uh, you know, how, you know, poor Hunter Biden, um, and, and, he, and like you said, he does not talk about the foreign business deals, but Hunter Biden is, is anything but a victim here when it comes to the foreign business deals. Um, you know, we've been reporting on this. You've done tremendous reporting on this, uh, working with Schweitzer. He's done great reporting. Oh yeah, Peter it. did great work. Yeah. He's, he
0: really started with Peter's work and your work with Peter
1: right so we've been, we've been looking into the Bidens for years, and at this point uh, the the drugs and, and the you know the sex scandals are just pale in comparison to the money the money that's changing hands through you know as we called it in the piece a Byzantine international structure. It is a very complex structure. Um, I'm not even sure Hunter probably understands fully what people were using his name for, but he certainly does understand um, you know that this is a Biden family enterprise kind of alludes to that in some emails. So uh, early impressions on the book is he's gonna to try to make it sound like he was a victim in all of this and that is simply not the case.
0: Yeah, listen, you you, uh, you can be victimized by addiction for sure, right, and alcoholism and drug addiction are a horrible thing and, and uh, we, we honor and respect that he's tried to fight that and hopefully he's over it, that, that's good news. But there is no addiction to friends, there is no addiction to money that you can't stop. And you look at who he was hanging out with. Devin Archer, convicted of fleecing a fraud. The Galanis family, convicted of fleecing a, an Indian tribe. Um, you've got a Patrick Ho, a Chinese national, convicted of, uh, of a crime. Uh, you've got uh, Burisma, owned by an oligarch who the, his own father's State Department considered uh, corrupt and uh, reported two bribe payments that were being made by Burisma officials to Ukrainian prosecutors while Hunter Biden was on the board. And then we get to this new character, Dmitry Furtash, who everybody probably has heard of because he's one of the few Ukrainian oligarchs that actually got indicted by the United States. He's been a fugitive since 2014, fighting extradition to the United States. And we learn that Hunter Biden uh, entertains the idea through Harris Yosef, one of Furtash's right-hand man, childhood friend, entertains the idea of maybe going to his father's State Department, the John Kerry-run State Department, during the Joe Biden era of Ukraine policy, uh, and maybe seeing if they can get him off on these criminal charges. They don't get that done, but they pivot to this other deal, Emblem, in Hawaii. Why don't you just tell us, you followed the money on this remarkably, and you got these great emails off of the Hunter Biden laptop and elsewhere. What did we learn about Emblem? How how does this come full circle back to Hunter Biden and, and one of the accounts that Hunter Biden drew his money from.
1: Right. So, so emblem began really as a joint venture between like really with Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, um, Archer's really the the point man on a lot of these Biden business deals, but the emblem was based in Hawaii. It was a public private partnership, which a firm connected to Hunter Biden run by Devin Archer, Rosemont Seneca. Technology partners invested five million dollars, and then that was half of the kind of seed money for it. The other half came from the Hawaii Strategic Development Corporation, uh, which basically is you know using taxpayer funds to invest in startups. It, it you know seems like a good idea. Um, I'm sure they're thinking twice about it after the M case. But so two you know uh, Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners and the Hawaiian Development Corp. Puts in $5 million each, and then Emblem is supposed to take this money and go invest it in other startups. And what ends up happening is the money flows through just a kind of a cascade of businesses and eventually ends up, some of it, uh, in Hunter Biden and his associates' accounts. So, and, and this happens in, in a lot of deals. You see through the emails both on the Hunter Biden laptop as well as in the Bevan Cooney emails that we have and the Bobolinsky uh emails and, and text messages that hunter biden and his associates are trying to kind of create these business ventures that really produce at the end of the day nothing um out of thin air and then they're trying to get sort of this imprimatur of something more legitimate like a hawaii state development corporation that they can go spin up to other investors and say see is investing in this now you should give us more money and it it ends up being you know a lot of these things end up being what looks to be pump and dump operations where they pump up the stock and you get a bunch of retail investors who don't know any better saying oh look M Bloom or or Code Rebel is one of the investments that right. M Bloom funnels the money into uh, retail investors don't know any better and they see oh look the stock is surging let's put our money into this and you get more and more people investing money into an entity that ends up creating nothing and then at you know at the end of the day. Um, payments get made to Hunter Biden or his associate firms in the form of management fees or consulting fees. And uh, years later, you look, well, what happened to Code Rebel or uh, some of these other investments? They ended up folding. They filed for bankruptcy. They never produced what they said they were going to produce. Um, and this this was really something that happened with the tribal bond scheme that ensnared Archer and uh, Cooney and the Galanis family, like you mentioned. They uh, basically hoodwinked an Indian tribe to pour money into one of these ventures. And then they go and tell other people, look, the uh, Indian tribe is pouring money into it. Why don't you guys also pour money into it? And, you know, I, I you know, Ponzi scheme is the right word. I want to make a legal accusation here. But it really, they, these these business deals don't produce a whole lot. And it's just interesting that Hunter Biden is always seemingly at the fringes of them. Now, Hunter Biden is never named in the criminal complaint for the tribal bond scheme, uh, there's reports in some of the, you know, Cooney and Golanus uh, guys who got uh, imprisoned for it claim Hunter Biden was involved, but Hunter Biden is never named. And so you just see it time and time again, and it's the same deal with this M. Bloom uh, deal. It's, nothing has come out of it. Um, Hawaii hopes to re- recuperate some of their funding. I'm not quite sure their plan or how they plan to do that as M. Bloom was shut down.
0: Yeah, it is remarkable. And one entity keeps coming up uh, time and again. It, it came up in the tribal fraud scheme. It came up in the Burisma scheme, because it's where the Burisma money is paid into the United States, where Hunter Biden gets his payday back from Burisma. Uh, and now it came up an emblem. It's called Rosemont Seneca Bohai. It was an LLC, and it looks like it was a shell company for receiving money from a lot of these deals. And what's important is that Hunter Biden draws down from this account regularly. He gets tens of thousands of dollars a month. And it's people like Barisma, M. Bloom, others paying into this account regularly. Uh, and remarkably, while they prosecuted Devin Archer and the other business partners of Hunter Biden, the Golanises and others, um, they really kept Hunter Biden out of that trial. There was no mention of him, even though he was a beneficiary of this one account, uh, Rosemont Seneca, Bohai. Fascinating stuff. Um, parting thoughts, as Seamus, as you look at this now as the book tour begins, where does the Hunter Biden uh, controversy go next? And I have a, a, a quite a funny feeling it might land in China next. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, on uh, one of his recent interviews, I think it's with CBS Sunday morning, uh, Hunter says it, it's a really bizarre kind of uh, way he describes the laptop and like, oh, well, maybe I forgot it somewhere or maybe it was stolen or maybe the Russians. You know, the trusted Russians are always a good uh, scapegoat to fall back on. But what's really interesting about that is Hunter Biden does not dispute the authenticity of the emails. He does not say he does not point to some of the reporting that's been out there on the emails uh, themselves and say, well, this email is clearly fake or this email is inaccurate. You would think I mean, he's had plenty of time to come up with an airtight excuse. That was just a really, really weak. Uh, denial, or you know, trying to poison the well of the emails, but he does not actually say the emails are fake. So I say the headline on that is Hunter Biden confirms the authenticity of the emails, <laughs> but casts doubt on how they came to be. It doesn't yeah. exactly matter how they came to be if they're authentic. So yeah. I think this is going to continue to be a huge problem for him. You're right, China is possibly the very, you know, the most suspicious entity that Hunter is dealing with yeah is also I think the numbers of China are gonna dwarf Ukraine. Themselves. Yep. Yes, yes. And also, I mean, in his own words, he's dealing with the effing spy chief of China and trying to, you know, help get him off the hook. Yep. He's dealing with other individuals linked to Chinese intelligence. I think it's going to be a uh an ongoing scandal at least for the next year.
0: Yeah, I agree. And your great work, uh Peter Schweitzer at the Government Accountability Institute, your boss there. Uh, what amazing work. And I know you and I are working on something on China. I can't wait for our readers to learn about that next. But the money, uh, the the business deals, the foreign hunt for money that was in the vapor trail of his father's Air Force Two, it's only going to get bigger and it's going to lead to China next, I'm pretty certain. Uh, Seamus, thanks for all you do. You're a remarkable reporter. I love when I work with you. You challenge me because you're such a great researcher, such a great, accurate Uh, a purveyor of facts. And uh, I just feel so lucky every time my byline is somewhere near yours.
1: Yeah, John, the honor is all mine. You are all those things and more. So I really appreciate
0: you. All right. Well, I always remembered the first learn my line. My first boss told me, which is you're only as good as your next story. So I guess we got to get back to work and try to produce another story. (laughs) Oh yeah. We got a couple coming out on China. It's going to be good. I can't wait. I'm so excited. All right, my friend, great to have you on this show. Thank you for the great reporting for the big scoop this morning. And, uh, I have a funny feeling we might need to get you back on the show really, really soon. All right. I'll
1: be here. Thank you, John. Thanks,
0: James. Have a good one. All right, folks. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
2: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Seamus and also the really great economic flyover overview that we did with Philip Patrick. Really interesting guy. Really gotten to appreciate the folks at Birch Gold for their their views on the economy, uh, precious metals. I learned a lot from them. You could too. Remember, if you want to check that out, you go to birchgold.com, B-I-R-C-H gold.com, slash Just News, you get a kit. You can learn what I learned about retirement. And of course, my good friend, Seamus, so glad he joined us. We learn so much every time he's on the show. And every time he writes with me, I I feel so lucky. He's a tremendous reporter. And as you learned today, we walked you through another deal involving the one and only Hunter Biden and his cast of characters, Devin Archer, Harris Yosef, Dimitri Furtash, M. Bloom, uh, so many characters. But the same story runs time and again. Hunter Biden hangs out with some characters that are... Uh, considered shady, corrupt, interesting by some people, right? That's in the eye of the beholder. I'm not going to use those words. But some of them are convicted felons, ultimately. We know that. Some are indicted felons. Uh, But there's always a payout to Hunter Biden and his team in the course of these relationships. And today, I think Seamus showed that. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, may God bless you, and may God bless this great country of America, as he always has, the
2: great United States of America. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.